With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Out of Blue, the podcast that tonight will be as sad as scoring 16 points and a half of basketball, which is sadder than the first 15 minutes of Up or the last 15 minutes of A Star is Born. Take your pick. With you reluctantly, I am Jared Stormer of maizeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is my better better half, my hetero life mate, Andy Bailey, also of maizeandbrew.com. Uh, Andy, have you drank, or I, I should ask, how much bleach have you drank after watching a victory of the Michigan basketball team against Texas Tech? Um, copious amounts. I've had more fun at funerals than I have watching that game. So it was not enjoyable to say the least. The first half was like watching two second graders fight in the backyard, and the second half was watching a sixth grader fight the same second grader. Uh, here's a question for you: How many second graders do you think you could fight if you had to fight a boss level of uh, a sixth grader every tenth level? Um, have you seen Kill Bill One? Yeah. Oh, yeah, just like that. I mean, I would just fend those little things off one at a time. Eventually, the sixth graders would pile up. So once I get to, like, you know, the advanced, like, I'm sure uh, Aiden Hutchinson was already, you know, 6'4", of two, like 250 right. in sixth grade. Once one of those comes along and kicks my ass, it'll be over. So I can give myself at least 10 levels. Yeah, that seems fair. Um, and I really have a lot of faith in you beating up second graders. But, yeah, that's a lot like what that game was that we just watched. It was a bunch of second graders against a bunch of sixth graders. Jarrett Culver was, without a doubt, the best player on the floor. The length of Texas Tech was a problem. And uh, not really that surprised that we had a game um, that was bad. I'm surprised that it was that bad. 
especially offensively where we know they were prone to droughts and that's really what this entire game was was just one big offensive drought yeah man it's the second year in a row uh, michigan's gone really cold in the tournament last year they were able to overcome it with different things but michigan didn't score their first point outside of the paint in this game until under 10 minutes ago in the second half and uh, now I'm no expert at basketball strategy or just scoring the ball in general, but that doesn't seem conducive to winning. I'll tell you what, the team that scores more points generally wins in these things. I think an announcer said that during the game. Like, if they score more, they're going to win. Yes, Thanks I believe. For that. Yeah. No shit. <laughs> and Michigan couldn't find a way to score at all. They just looked timid. Other than Iggy Brasdikas, no one had any confidence. If you shut down Xavier Simpson and he's not a factor in this game, we don't really stand a chance. And Xavier Simpson was not, Simpson. A, not a factor at all. So, so yeah, we didn't really stand much of a chance. Simpson was just completely negated in this game. 0 for 5, didn't attempt a 3, didn't attempt a free throw, no points, four turnovers, oh my God. <laughs> one personal foul, one assist, one rebound. I mean, I think the length really bothered him especially. I mean, this whole team was affected. But he's already an undersized player, and I think they just kind of smothered him. Yeah, that seemed to be the case. The length, especially Culver, I think he's listed at 6'6", but he's a guy that NBA draft scouts are saying is bigger than that. He plays taller than that, um, and just length all over the court, even at the point guard position. And, uh, I mean, everything was contested, so... I mean, this was this was kind of what we imagined was was going to happen. You know, they would go into long offensive droughts, and nobody really wanted to step up. Iggy Brasdakis seems like the only guy not really afraid afraid of the spotlight. And in years past, there's been reliable three point shooting, whether it be Stauskas, Duncan Robinson, Lavert, Tim Hardaway Jr. Not really a reliable three point presence on this team this year. Yeah, we assumed it would be Poole, and he shot fifty percent from the field, but only took eight shots. He was super timid. Um, I think he's like, I've heard of irrational confidence guys, like the Dion waiters is of the world. People like that. Austin rivers. Um, I think Jordan Poole is the fragile confidence guy. I don't think, I think if a couple don't go in, he just kind of becomes a shell of himself and is afraid to take the shot. Right. Yeah. I think that he needs to really evolve as a scorer and uh, realize that you're going to have off nights, but you still are one of this team's best options. So you got to keep attempting shots. Be aggressive, whether it be, you know, from the three ball or driving into the paint. Although, man, Texas Tech was swallowing dudes when they drove in, and they just really didn't know what to do with the ball once they got into the paint. Oh, absolutely. They had no clue what they were doing inside. Eli Brooks, scoreless. Colin Castleton, scoreless. Isaiah Liver, scoreless. Um, weird stat, Iggy Brasdakis out-rebounded John Teske by nine. Wow. Brasdakis had 17 and 13. Wow, yeah, I mean, he really seemed to be the only guy that came to play tonight. Charles Matthews was all sorts of uh, of lost out there. That's uh, that's a crazy stat, though. Teske did not have a great game. Really, nobody had a great game. Iggy Brasdakis was the only guy that played decent. And, you know, disappointing end to what was really a fun season. Um, does this loss change the way you look at this season, or how will you view this season as a whole? Yeah, it doesn't really change it. I think you and I have kind of tempered our expectations a little bit um, in the leading up to the NCAA tournament. And with this being the result, I'm not shocked. Texas Tech is a good team, a long team, and um, they'll, they'll give Gonzaga some problems. I don't know if they can beat him. Gonzaga looked uh, tough down the stretch against an already athletic, lengthy Florida State team. Feels like kind of a warm-up game for Tech. Um, no, But no, it was, it was a good season for Michigan. The wins over North Carolina, the team's building – 
only lose Charles Matthews. I think next year's team could really be a force. Yeah, depending on if Iggy Brazdakis or maybe Poole decide to go pro, I don't really yeah. think there'd be anyone else that you uh, would imagine would go pro, even though uh, I think Isaiah Livers might have the uh, the highest ceiling on the team, but that's uh, the conversation for another time. But yeah, I agree. We had kind of tempered our expectations. I mean, you can only go to the Final Four, the NCAA Championship. I mean, those things do not happen often. And having seasons of sweeping Michigan State, I mean, we were bound to come back down to earth. Um, but I anticipate a, a quick rebound for this team on a team that next year could be maybe the most talented team Beeline's ever had. Yeah, Jordan Poole has to step up if he returns. I mean, by all indications, he's going to. He needs to. But he has to step up. Um, I don't think this is like a single horse kind of team next year. I think it could be a two-headed monster led by Iggy and led by Jordan Poole, even with Isaiah Livers coming in if they want to play smaller in some like, some lineups. But no, um, they just like, – like you touched on earlier, I think the most important thing is developing a consistent three-point shooter out there. He's just somebody – Just a, they need a bucket, somebody they can just deliver to break up these droughts because this game was over two minutes into the second half. And Michigan only went into the half down was it eight, and it wasn't – I mean, this game was far from over, but in two minutes in, they pull away on a 16-2 to run, and that was it. Yeah, 16 points and a half is almost assuredly not going to win you many games. That's an NCAA tourney for a low and a half. Not a distinction you really want to have on your resume, but uh, – you know, that's what happens when you get the two most, you know, the number one and number two, or maybe number two or number three, depending on when in the season you're looking as far as defensive efficiency. You're going to get an ugly game, and early on it was about who could score ugly. Texas Tech was able to score ugly, and then they got some some kind of crazy shots to go in, honestly contested threes late in the shot clock. Um, and if you're getting those and Michigan is one for 19 from three, it's just it's just not your night. Um but that, that's the way it goes. And, um, you know, it, like like you were saying, you got to get some buckets coming in. Another guy that's coming in, Jalen Wilson, the four-star out of Texas, is lights out from three, six, eight, small forwards. So there's there's some help coming in and recruiting as well. Thank God, because they really need it. Um, I hardly ever agree with commentators during a broadcast. But what they said during this game about it's hard to keep up defensive intensity when you're consistently missing shots on the offensive end. And I think that really started to take its toll on Michigan in this game. Rotations became sloppier. Even when the game was only like within, you know, 12 to 13, players were late. And it's just hard to, you know, keep up that effort when you go down to the other end and you can't buy a basket. Yeah, I remember hearing that. I think it maybe was Reggie Miller that said that. But that makes perfect sense to me. I mean, you're expending all that effort on the defensive side, and then you know you come back down on offense, you move the ball around, you're getting your shot late in the shot clock, and it's not a quality shot, or you're turning it over. I mean, they, had their, they almost had their season average in turnovers in the first half. So, I mean, it's just – I could see that getting really frustrating. And without a guy that can really take over and kind of get you through those dry spells himself – um, it's easy for your team to lose juice, which looked like they did early on in this game. Yeah, and it wasn't just missing shots that was bad. I didn't think the game plan offensively was that good. There was just not enough movement to, for this defense, especially when they're switching everything. That's your opportunity to create some more mismatches for players. Like You know what they're doing. They showed their hand immediately, and they just stuck to it. And Michigan never really did anything to exploit that. I know they're athletic big men, but you can't convince me that their starting center should be able to cover, you know, a Jordan Poole or somebody off the dribble. It just doesn't make any sense to me. 
So I had some issues what Beeline chose to do offensively. But uh, defensively, that first half, I mean, they played really well. I mean, as well as you can defensively. I mean, compare, I mean, almost as well as you can. That's say, played as well as you can. As well as you can play defensively is what the other team did, holding Michigan yeah. to 16. The second best you can do is about what Michigan did. So I agree. Yeah, they, they were close enough in the first half, and I kind of thought that the law of averages would break in the second and a couple threes would drop. But, I mean, when it's not your night, it is just not your night. Yeah, they went nuclear in the second half, and they said they hit some tough shots. Once they hit that, like, that alley-oop toss from the three-point line where they got reached back to grab it and then dunked it, I'm like, yep, this is it. Yeah, it just had a different feel than, say, like the Houston game last year where Michigan was just getting a shot here or there to stay in it. It's like, man, I don't know about this one, but feels like we're still in this game. It just, this had a different feel right out of the gate. It's like, man, I don't think that this is our night, like... And and who's gonna who's gonna turn it up in the second half? Like, I mean, if Charles Matthews isn't hitting and Xavier Simpson is turning the ball over more than he's dishing out assists, then it's gonna be a long night. <laughs> exactly. Um, since Michigan's out, do you have a horse? Like, you're somebody you're you know just quietly supporting throughout the rest of the tournament? Uh, well, since Texas Tech took us out, I always like to watch the NBA guys. You know, you and I are both NBA fans, and Jarrett Culver is a really unique prospect. I like Ja Morant from Murray State. They're out, obviously, Zion, but rooting for Duke doesn't quite feel right. I mean, that is the number that is the number one seed of number one seeds, and Zion Williams is certainly an alien or from a lab somewhere, so they've got the advantage. Uh, so nobody really. Um, I'll, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what Michigan State does. I won't necessarily root for them, but I'll be watching watching them uh purdue you know big 10 represent the big 10 yeah I'm, I'm about in the same boat i hate how much i like watching cassius winston play basketball yeah <laughs> like he's just so calm and, com- and composed at all times and the game has complete control and command of the offense um yeah i gotta hate how much fun he is to watch um zion zion williamson is a freak and i did enjoy the central florida clash where with like two minutes to go, he's like, all right, guys, just hop on the back and just started attacking the rim. That man coming at you full speed is frightening. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I want to see him do the uh, million-dollar mile thing that LeBron James has got going on. What if Zion Williams was running you down? I would just cower in fear and submit to his will. <laughs> That's all you're ever going to do, and he like just wants to impose something upon you. And it's hard too to like you know say anything bad about him because he's such like a nice kid. Like, yeah. He's the nicest person. Yeah, he does seem pretty humble. Uh, do you think that a NBA caliber point guard um, is one of the things that these Michigan teams are missing in order to really get over the top and get to that championship level? Um, you'll see that a lot with the teams that make deep runs. Is maybe not NBA caliber point guards, but all Big Ten point guards, and and Xavier Simpson, while extremely talented, and Derek Walton, extremely talented, are not quite the athletes of maybe a Kobe White or, or somebody like that, or, or am I just reaching here with this? I don't know. I think there's some logic. I'd probably have to deep dive a little bit just you know to verify that, but I think you have a point, and it's a complicated point because Xavier Simpson is the engine that drives the car. We've said it all season. True. He's the X factor, and when he plays this poorly or is this shut down to this degree, Michigan crumbles. I mean, even like last year with Villanova, their point guard was a stud. Yeah. I mean, it's just even. I mean, even I mean, Ned Mikel Bridge is also a stud. But there's just that's an interesting observation. I think that could be hurting. I know it hurts him defensively because you can just pick on him inside because he's just too small. Right. 
Yeah, and it was kind of the same thing with Derek Walton, and I think that Xavier Simpson is a better point guard than Derek Walton, but... I mean, you can really target them once you start going up against NBA guys. And that Villanova point guard, was that Doyle Brunson last year? I mean, he's an NBA guy now, too. Yeah. So, yeah, he got drafted. So, I mean, and, and I don't think Xavier Simpson necessarily is. So, maybe there's something there. I mean, you just need to have some guy that can take over and score the basketball, whether it's at the point guard position or wherever it is. So, hopefully Michigan can figure that out. Um, any other thoughts on uh, on basketball before we... We graciously switch over to football. I have one thought. Um, <laughs> the best moment of this podcast, you said Villanova's point guard was Doyle Brunson. You dug that deep from the annals of your brain because Doyle Brunson is a <laughs> established poker veteran. <laughs> and there's a cowboy hat. It was Jalen Brunson. <laughs> but I'm glad <laughs> to know you're such an avid Texas Hold'em fan. <laughs> Look, it was a Brunson, and like I'm pretty sure that I remember Doyle Brunson running point for Villanova last year, cowboy hat and all. <laughs> Doyle Brunson's an 85-year-old man with 10 World Series of poker bracelets. And, that and the cat can ball. <laughs> I'm not taking against. I'm not holding anything against Doyle Brunson. He can do what he wants. Well, close enough, man. But all right, we're going to take a quick commercial break here. We're going to come back and we're going to find the silver lining, talk a little bit of football. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. We are back on Out of the Blue. We have wiped basketball from our minds. We will not think of it, speak of it, or mention it for... Uh, you know, at least a couple months here, uh, but we're 156 days away from football. Uh, not a lot going on, but Andy, let's. Uh, what, what's going on in the world of Michigan football? A lot is going on in the world of oh. Michigan football, and when I say that, I mean there's really not much. But I'm just overreacting to every buzzword and gossip that comes out. Um, all right, I'm just gonna throw some things at you and just have a little conversation about each bullet point here. Um, Ryan Hayes recruited as a tight end originally is making some noise and is rumored to be the backup left tackle currently behind uh, now stalwart John Runyon Jr. What are are your thoughts about Ryan Hayes becoming our left tackle? I mean, that's interesting as he was moved over to tight end last year, and I kind of thought that was the greater position of need. Um, We do have some guys at tackle. Um, What is is Ryan Hayes listed at now? He's 6'6", 6'7"? Six seven, and uh, last year he put on twenty pounds to get over two seventy five. I have no idea what he's at now. They'll probably release those like they did last year in a, in the coming weeks. 
But I, I imagine he's at least every bit of 280. He has to be if he's going to be backup left tackle for a Big Ten school. Yeah, I mean, you'd want to see him put on even another 20 pounds, honestly, yeah. to play left tackle. But, I mean, it's good to see that he's getting into the weight room, bulking up. It is definitely a position. I mean, it's it's kind of been an Achilles heel of late. Last year really started to round into form with the stalwart John Runyon. Uh, who we had to eat more crow than I was comfortable with, but he's definitely entrenched there. And yeah, I mean, great to have depth. I'm kind of surprised at that. What is what what is what's going on with Chuck Filiaga? What's he listed at? Is he a tackle? All it says here on the Michigan website is missing. <laughs> <laughs> Just in all caps. <laughs> all capital letters missing. Uh, he's actually listed at guard at six six three forty. Three forty. He could give he could give thirty pounds to Ryan Hayes and still be good. I, I feel like somebody hit the wrong button on a keyboard. Like there's, three, that's forty. Not supposed to be a four. That's two men, maybe three. <laughs> that's five Doyle Brunson. <laughs> Doyle Brunson. Uh. Uh, so Ryan Hayes emerging at left tackle, something to keep your eye on, especially as Michigan's had you know some uh, rotation there, some turnover uh, in the past, not last year, um, but. Keeping with the offensive line, Harbaugh says this is the best offensive line he's had while at Michigan. Um, your thoughts? Bye, bye, bye. Uh, I was saying that last year, you know, as we were getting our asses handed to us by Florida and Ohio State, that one thing you can hang your head on is that the offensive line will not be a concern next year. Even if some guys don't turn out and don't take that next step, we still got enough depth there. I absolutely believe that. Um, it's really starting to round into form. Um, I mean, we talked about it kind of a few weeks ago that they're one of the strongest positions on the depth chart, and I, I buy that he's saying that to you. Oh, 100%. Year two in Ed Warner's system, 100% I'm buying. I wish I could buy stock, buy some more, and buy everyone else's if anybody wants to sell it. Um, there's no doubt. You're returning four starters, five guys with starting experience. Uh, yeah, man, this – this it's it's feeling it's a comfortable feeling we haven't had in the Harbaugh era with an offensive line just stepping in and being this dominant. We thought 2016s would be pretty good. They ended up being frustratingly bad at times, mm-hmm. and, and then dominating the weaker opponents. But this offensive line feels like Wisconsin esque. Yeah, I won't quite go Wisconsin esque, but I'm definitely going to go top tier Big Ten. Um, I think that they're finally going to be able to impose their will, which is interesting because we're going to go tempo and we're going to move the ball around, you know, some speed in space. Um, but the pass blocking and the run blocking should allow them enough time and, you know, space to do whatever they want to do. So very excited to see it. I'm definitely buying the offensive line this year, and it's been years since you could really say that with confidence, even if Chuck Filiaga is missing somewhere. And uh and, and about 20 pounds short of, of the weight of a Volvo. <laughs> Thoughts go out to Chuck Filiaga, wherever you are. Um, <laughs> moving to the interior line, uh, Mike Onwenu is con- uh, continually impressing in spring ball. And they say more than just his physical dominance on the field, his intellectual curiosity off the field with self-improvement and just learning all the nuance inside <coughs> inside of the line, like an interior lineman, a guard, center, has to know. Um, I predicted that Mike Almond was going to be in a positional battle with Stephen Spinellis. Um, 
a week later, I feel like just reading intellectual curiosity in a sentence about an offensive lineman, I'm going to retract all of that now, from now on. Like, apparently Mike Allman is going to be a wrecking ball that's also going to be a NASA scientist. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, to quote Short Round from the second Indiana Jones, you listen to me, you live longer. I told you about Mike Onwenu. Been telling you that's the that dude right there. The intellectual curiosity doesn't mean a lot to me. Like the fact that he's learning about Phoenician pottery is neat, but I mean, I, I definitely want him to become a leader on the offensive line and to learn all the calls because physically, like he can absolutely dominate. And that's something that I've heard from Harbaugh, Ed Wariner, um, the greatest chin in the game, Ed Wariner. Um, man, fine, fine chin. You think Ben Herbert is doing some sort of conditioning to keep that chin in shape like that year in and year out? He's got to do something. I mean, there's got to be some like lower jaw exercise. Some sort of chin lift. Put into his day. He's got to be. I mean, we got to find this. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll get to the bottom of it. But I'm all on board for Mike Onwenu. Um, As far as physically, he could be the best player on that offensive line. I think it's still Ben Bredesen. But physically, Onwenu could take that instantaneous i mean he could take it this year and, and never look back he could be the best on that offensive line yeah he's a he is he going into his senior season or junior season redshirt junior season i want to say redshirt junior season but i don't have that directly in front of me if only i, I believe so I too Google. so that leads me to think that this might be his last year at right guard they might kick him out to left next year to really anchor that side of the line especially if they have a new left tackle coming in but um Man, all welcome news if Mike Ombudsman is blowing people away. But honestly, he's been blowing people away in practice for a long time. But hearing about the self-improvement stuff and just texting coaches late at night, asking about schemes and looks from defenses, it's nice to hear because Draymond Jones and Ohio State were all in that backfield in that game. They most definitely were. Uh, I'd like to see him and Filiaga get on that line at the same time because you're going to have about 715 pounds of men between two guys there. Yeah, once they find that missing truck, like, it would be a massive line. How does that man go missing? He's massive. I know. Someone, please find Chuck Philly. You can't hide this well in Ann Arbor. (laughs) Uh, Flipping to the defensive side of the ball, where this conversation is going to be a lot of fun. Um, Everything that typically comes out about the defense is welcome news and just news to us because we're kind of defensive guys. We like that side of the ball. We like the hitting. We like... All just all of it. We like the nasty of it. Yeah. Um, we'll just start with a couple things here. Jordan Glasgow, the third Glasgow brother to come through, the fighting Glasgows, as we like to refer to them. Yes. Has to be forcibly removed from practice reps because he never wants to leave the field. He's working at multiple positions at varying depths. He wants to even stay on all special teams as well. I love every word in that sense. <laughs> He's a fire-breathing reincarnation of Sammy Hagar that just eats, eats, breathes, sleeps football. Uh, The Fighting Glasgow clan, man. I want to get their family crest tattooed over my heart. I don't even care about my own family crest. Those dudes just belong in football. Um, I'm hoping that one of them has a son that's going to come in when Jordan Glasgow is gone because there needs to always be a Glasgow at Michigan. Um, incredibly important, versatile player. He's going to see the field a lot. You can trust him. So I like him. I love the way that he streaks down the field. And like I said, that Sammy Hagar hair flowing out the back injected into my veins. <laughs> they were talking about uh, different formations. Like, you know, he's going to be on the field in these two Viper looks. I'm like, hold on, we saw a little bit of the two Viper. And I'm really glad they're working it more because, you know, maybe there's going to be some 
complex zone scheme in there or something. Something yeah. to, you know, take away from all the speed that certain spread offenses have. Gasp. <laughs> the only response I needed. Yeah. <laughs> um, continuing on with the defense, and, you know, a game we just try not to mention but always mention, Don Brown calls Ohio State and Florida the most disappointing experience in his life. Apparently, he's never been to Colonial Jamestown because that's equally disappointing. <laughs> um, what do you have to say to this besides the obvious? Is this going to be a revenge thing like it was last year at Penn State? Or is this just, you know, we'll wait and see? Yeah, I don't know. That's got to be welcome news to his son, who before that quote was the assumed most disappointing part of his life. But things are really looking up. I don't know if you watched that first half of Michigan basketball. Uh, that might rank up there as well. But that's in no way surprising to me. He can say all he wants. I mean, there's all that, you know, Penn State kept me up at night, and he came out and avenged that. And, you know, he can say all he wants this year, and hopefully that gives him that edge next year. But... For me, it's proven mode now. I mean, I'm just so sick of the off-season speculation and the talk and, you know, we're done with that, we're done losing. I, go out and prove it. Like, that's all, that's where I'm at right now. But at the same time, I'm a defensive guy. I mean, I, I can't help but have the hairs on the back of my neck stand up when I hear it. Yeah, yeah, I, I hate how excited I get when I hear stuff like that. Like, it's just the classic coach stuff. And uh, someone send this man a copy of uh, Trapped in the Closet so he can experience real disappointment in his life. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's like you said, I can't help but get a little bit excited for it. It's, it's always good to hear. And if Don Brown's thinking about it now, it, I feel like it's going to bode well in November. But we'll see. Yeah, if he wants to spend the entire year just getting ready for Ohio State and, you know, Sean Nua can run the defense for the rest, that's fine by me. I mean, yeah. that, that's your job. Find a way to shut down Ohio State this year. Uh, and then after that, I mean, I'll believe anything that you say. But until then, I'm in prove-it mode. I hear that, man. Um, keeping with Sean New and the defensive line, a whole bunch of good things to just get out here. Uh, Donovan Jeter has been raved about in practice. Don Brown went as far to say as I think we might have found our guy in the middle. So that's big news, pairing him up next to Carlo Kemp, possibly. Uh, also raved about Swiss Army Knife Josh Uche. Said he's going to play all over this defense. A human being of that size, being that versatile, I don't know how you cannot be excited about this. This is like what, like offering a trip to Disneyland level excited to me. I just want to see Josh Uche in just unique formations, standing, all, all techniques across the defensive line, all positions, linebacker, Feed me Josh Uche anywhere on this defense, please, and I'll have seconds. Yeah, I don't even care. He can just come in riding Aiden Hutchinson's back, and they can have some sort of piggyback formation that, that throws people off. Because yeah, you're absolutely right. With his speed, size, versatility, is going to be a problem. He was a problem last year. I see him more as an edge rusher, but you know, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, there's a huge need at linebacker, so that's really good to hear. Uh, the Donovan Jeter news might be even bigger, though, because uh, you know what you've got in Carlo Kemp, and you've got potentially a future star. You know, He could be Mike Martin-esque. Uh, and Donovan Jeter, kind of that similar athletic, a uh, little bit lower to the ground, strong guy. Um, those two guys, I mean, with Mike Dwumfor rotating in, that's a really solid middle. Then you get Maisie Smith in the mix. Hitting on Donovan Jeter would be huge for this defensive line rotation because uh, they lose a lot. Yeah, the strength and durability there, because Michigan's really struggled with 
defensive tackle durability. So this is all welcome news. And um, since his recruitment, we've all been just kind of waiting for him to break out. He always seems like he kind of get mixed in the shuffle. You hear his name, mixed in the shuffle, hear his name. So it seems like he's finally taken that next step. And um, so has Devin Gill, apparently. Don Brown says he owes a lot to Ben Herbert, the strength and conditioning coach, because said he is faster, stronger, and just looks like a different person this season. And he was serviceable last year at times, especially in stopping the run, mm-hmm. but he looked slow, uh, often caught out of position. But hearing all this is great because, I mean, that really locks up that second linebacker spot up next to Josh Ross, which was one of the biggest question marks coming into the season. Yeah, most definitely. It's good to hear, but, I mean, you're not going to really hear them say anything, like, negative about Devin Gill or guys that are coming in to start. Like, they're not going to come in and say – I mean, so hearing that Devin Gill is doing well doesn't really surprise me. Devin Gill, I think, was more than serviceable last year, and he's faster than he looks. I I saw him running right next to Devin Bush on a play last year, and they're running, like, neck and neck. Um, It's just I don't think he has the game speed of Devin Bush, where Devin Bush can diagnose and and make an an instinctive decision on where he wants to go. I think Devin Gill, and, and really not many people can do that like Devin Bush, but as he really gets a feel for the game, I think his game speed will improve. He's he's bigger, big enough. He's fast enough. Um, seems like a pretty smart kid. So I think Devin Gill can be a really strong player for that defense, maybe one of the top five guys on that team, the guy you really rely on. So that's great to hear. Yeah, he could probably drop about you know, 0.5 seconds in his 40 if he just plucked his eyebrows. <laughs> Those things are definitely catching wind like a sail. <laughs> Thicker than a snicker. Um, Also good news, uh, Ben Mason is continually causing havoc. And I'm glad I'm reading that in the context of football. Because if it was also at, you know, some party five years ago, I would also believe the headline. (laughs) Yes, I would be concerned. Like, if a headline came up, like, Ben Mason headbutts six or seven walls in mansion at house party. Like, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Brick walls. Yeah, yeah. Why have a brick wall when Ben Mason has a head to put through it? <laughs> you should have known better. How dare you? Um, Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is all good news, man. Ben Mason coming over to the defensive line, being utilized here. Don Brown said they're going to use him on the uh, tight end side of opposing offenses, keep him there. So he can't really play the other side yet, but he can play uh, three-tech tackle, plays a little linebacker. Um, Sean Newell wants to have this defensive line uh, really utilizing their athleticism and running more and flying around. And, okay, this, this team, this defense needs to be running more because you can't just be a beefy, 
defensive line in 2019 with everyone playing up-tempo. No, no, that's just not the way college football is gone. And I really can't wait to watch Ben Ben Mason just disintegrate a human being this fall. I mean, the first person that he hits is going to know that he's been hit. That's that's extremely exciting. I honestly think he might have a higher ceiling there just because you don't get as many opportunities at the fullback position. Um, but when he did, and not just carrying the ball, blocking, he was a force last year. Just a football player. Belongs on the football field. Wherever you put him, he's going to make impact plays. He's going to headbutt brick walls. I mean, but he's also going to be very polite. Seems like a nice, honest gentleman that just wants to lift weights and eat steak. Yeah, I mean, occasionally put a head through a wall. There's yeah. nothing wrong There's with nothing that. nothing wrong Trade with that. This, damages. Is, this is America. We have insurance. <laughs> uh, lastly, on the defensive line, Julius Welshoff, as everyone remembers as the German recruit he had never played football before, is filling out and looks like Aiden Hutchinson when the two are standing side-by-side side according to Jim Harbaugh. Now, question. Who wins in two-on-two? Uh, once they find Chuck Filiaga, Chuck Filiaga and Mike Onwenu, or Julius Welshoff and Aiden Hutchinson. Well, as one of those people is missing, God, I, <laughs> I hope Chuck Filiaga never listens to this podcast. Um, <laughs> but it's going to be Welshoff and Hutchinson. Wow, man, that's tough, though. That That's really tough. We haven't seen enough of Filiaga to say, but just that size and the potential of Welshoff and Hutchinson on the same line is tantalizing. I mean, if you stack them next to each other, I'm pretty sure they're like 10 and a half to 15 yards wide, just the two of them. I mean, they have to walk through doors sideways. That is horrifying. Yeah, that's a lot of men, but uh, <laughs> Chuck Filiaga has a tendency to disappear at times. <laughs> that's a concern. Is he going to be there when this when this two-on-two goes down? Um, lastly on football, um, some solid news to end this. Uh, Benjamin St. Just medically retires from football. Uh, your thoughts? Yeah, that's really unfortunate. That was a guy that you pegged in our um, you know, position battle pod a couple weeks ago as a guy that you really thought was going to step up this year. Definitely looked like it. he was the most experienced guy coming in, uh, has the length. Coach is really excited about him. What we saw in limited opportunities looked like he could be chanting, stribbling, but knowing how to tackle. So that was really exciting um, you know, without the aversion to tackling. So very unfortunate, but you got to do what's best for you, man. Definitely wish him the best. Hopefully, you know, he can still stay with the program in some capacity, stay at the school, get his degree. And, you know, we definitely wish the best for him. Um, Miles Sims and Ambry Thomas, please step up. I mean, luckily we are loaded at cornerback with a lot of talent. So there's there's a ton of guys now that have got to see this as an opportunity. The, guy, the two guys I just named, any of the Jermon, Jermon Green guys, um, Vincent Gray is going to get an opportunity. So there's talent there from a depth chart standpoint. I don't think this will kill us, but definitely a bummer. Yeah, very much so. Um, I hope I hope he finds whatever you know, finds success in whatever else he chooses to do with the kind of attitude you build at Michigan and the education you receive there. I mean, sky's the limit. Uh, the kid was an outstanding prospect. Uh, I hope. I wish it didn't end like this. It's always a sour taste in your mouth, but uh, he's doing the smart thing. What's best for him, what's best for his long-term health, longevity, and that's what matters. Um, you mentioned Vincent Gray. Don Brown said he's going to be a guy. So, <laughs> Is a guy I mean, above a dude? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like there's like, I need a ranking here of like yeah. pronouns, like, you know, for Don Brown, like what he's calling men, like men these days. Right. But, like, he'd be a great doctor, like, you know, and now like, when a woman gives birth, it's going to be a guy. <laughs> Thanks, Don. <laughs> it's going to be a buddy. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So yeah, in the way only Don Brown can, Vincent Gray's gonna be a guy. Uh, got anything else for us? Uh, I do. I've got some quick hits for you. So I'm gonna come at you rapid fire here. These are mostly just true or false. Uh, but if you want to get into them or we can talk about them, by all means, we can. So we're going to end with a little rapid fire here. You ready? Serve them up hot. All right. Isaiah Livers has the highest ceiling on the Michigan basketball team. True or false? True. I agree. He does. Defensively, three-point shooting, overall athleticism. I think that's the right answer. I just say he does a lot of the small things already, and he's, his three-point shot's getting more and more and more consistent. I think there's a lot for him. I think there's a space for him already in the NBA, just how hard he plays. Yeah. Uh, three and D guys are really highly valued. He can be a true three and D guy uh, with a really high ceiling. So I agree with you there. Uh, next one incoming. We're going football. True or false? Michigan will have a 1,000 yard rusher next season. True. 100% true. This offensive line, you and I might be good for at least 50. So that means someone on this team is going to get 1,000. I know depth. And is very thick back there, and we get a lot of people, a lot of touches. Someone's getting a thousand yards next year. Book it. I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say false. Ooh. I'm gonna say that it gets spread out enough, um, and no true bell cow really emerges. Uh, Chris Evans maybe used more as a wide receiver. Uh, I'm down on my knees nightly praying for that. Um, I mean, and yeah, just the depth, them trying to spread it out, the wide receiver being a position that they want to focus on. I think you'll have two guys, maybe somebody around 880, somebody around 500, and two guys around 300. So combined, yeah, you could have a really good rushing season. I don't see a 1,000-yard rusher. If you had to pick one to get a 1,000, who would it be? Zach Charbonnet. Oh, I'm going Christian Turner. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. That would be my number two. But if someone's going to get a thousand, I would see it being Zach Charbonnet really grabbing the number one spot um, and and not letting it go. But Christian Turner could just as easily do that. I don't mind that pick. I feel like I'm going to hang up pictures of Zach Charbonnet around my office, kind of like ultrasounds of future children. You don't you don't already have that. <laughs> I'm really behind. He ha he has some really nice World War II era hair. Oh. Look into that. All right, coming at you. True or false? Charles Matthews has an NBA future as a rotational wing defender. True. He has the body. He can develop the shot a little bit more. I don't think it'll be right away, but um, he's kind of a develop in develop into the role. I think three years he could find a spot to play 12 minutes a game. I can see it as well. Needs to improve upon his three-point shot, um, but if he can do that somewhat reliably and keep people honest, he's an excellent defender. Um, he's got the length. He's plenty athletic. I could see him sticking on a team. Um, never going to be your number one scoring option on a team, but could find a place to stick in the NBA. I don't think he was ever completely healthy after the injury this season. No, no. He did have some really good games in the tournament, though. And, I mean, he was a huge boost against Florida. So definitely going to miss Charles Matthews. He's, uh, he's, he's been really enjoyable to watch the last couple of years. You know he transferred from UK? I did know that. I'm familiar. <laughs> <laughs> you know we cover Michigan sports, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like everyone says that he transferred from UK. You know that he transferred. It's like when Dewan Blair would play. You know he doesn't have any ACLs. Thank you. Thank you. I know. I'm familiar. <laughs> <laughs> all right, coming at you. True or false? John Runyon Jr. will be first team All Big Ten next season. True. Was what was he this past season? I believe he was second All Big Ten second team. Yeah, yeah, he's going to be first. I, I, Those steps he took from two years ago to last year were monumental, so I think he can make that next leap from second to one. 
I could see it. I need to see who else is coming back in the Big Ten. I'm uh, sure. He was first team. He was first team. Yeah, over Wisconsin's tackles and uh, wow. those guys. Yeah, so book that. Wow, yeah, go ahead and lock that in. I could have swore you was second team. That go. That's on me for not doing my research. Way to go, John Runyon. So you go, John Runyon. You freaking go, man. Yeah, so I, I definitely could see it. So, I mean, he outperformed the Wisconsin guys. That's crazy. Ed Werner, man, I will buy you some chin chin grease. <laughs> Whatever it is you want. All right, coming at you. True or false, John Beeline could take the Michigan team number twos to the Sweet 16. Keep in mind, Isaiah Livers is technically a number two. Livers is a number two, but false. Um, just not enough experience there. Castleton came in for a little bit in this game and just looked lost. Just looked like a boy out there. Yeah. And there's just not enough talent. Maybe in previous teams you could give a better argument, but this group this year, no, that's false. No, I have to agree. Maybe next year. Um, next year's team could be really deep, but not a very deep team this year. You saw how much they struggled to score with their number ones, so... I agree. Um, I had wrote that question before this game. So (laughs) Uh, here's a really interesting one. I like this one here. Uh, True or false, one of Dylan McCaffrey or Joe Milton will be the highest drafted Wolverine quarterback ever. Oh, where did Greasy go, do you know? Uh, I'm finding out right now. Um, Because Chad Henney was, what, third round? Yeah, he was later. Who else would be that? Henson was on the baseball mix-up. Um, not John Navarre. No. Not Denard. But I could see Dylan McCaffrey. I really could, especially if he puts on a little bit more weight. I think he is just what John Elway's wet dreams are made out of. Like He is everything they want, mobile, accurate, uh, just the glimpses we've seen. If he develops on top of that, yeah, he has the potential to be. Uh, Joe Milton, too early to say right now. Yeah, I, I'll agree with that. Um, in 1941, I can't believe that this slipped your memory, Forrest Evanchensky uh, went number 10 overall in the NFL draft. You're just going to forget so the, what, about the 10 teams available. <laughs> yeah, correct. Um, so we'll say in modern in modern history, um, and then number the that would be the highest would be probably greasy. Or Harbaugh went number one, uh, first round, twenty six overall. Okay. So yeah, so, yeah I, I could I think see it. it. Has that potential? Yeah, I could see it as well. All right, coming at you here. True or false? If Michigan brings Iggy back, next year's Michigan squad will be the most talented squad Beeline has fielded. False. That uh, I have to see the freshman play still, but that uh, that 2013 team man had some studs on there, and that's yeah. it's hard. You talked about point guards earlier, and that's why I think that team has such a high sin because of the player Trey Burke was. Yeah, I would have to agree with you there. Uh, that team was loaded. You got Tim Hardaway, Karis LeVert. I mean, just look at what they're doing in the NBA. Um, if you want to know the kind of talent that was on that team, Glenn Robinson Jr. I think was on that team as well. Yeah, as a so. freshman, yeah, you got Mitch McGarry, who was honestly a better player than his NBA career turned out. Really enjoyed marijuana, but I can relate. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. He could have like an opioid addiction or something. Marijuana? No, nah, he's fine. That yeah. also team had like, Zach Novak on that team. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, Zach Novak. Nick Stauskas, Nick Spike Albrecht. Yeah, that team was deep. I agree. Um, but next year's Michigan squad, if Jalen Wilson comes in, is the real deal? Maybe. 
Yeah, man, we'll see. I'm not going to rule out anything, especially if certain players take that next step. Because, I mean, Jordan Poole could be a constant flamethrower next year. But, you know, like football. Wait and see. Wait and see. Speaking of football, true or false, Josh Metellus is our best returning defender next year. Oh, I knew you were going to do this to me. Of course. We talked about him off the air. Um, man. I just... It's a tough one. I agree. Oh, man. It hurts. I, I... I almost have to say true. He, when Josh Metellus is locked in, he is unbelievably good. And everything we're hearing right now in the offseason, he's a leader. He's setting the example, play in, play out, every rep, every conditioning drill. He's just been outstanding. Um, I, I don't know if that's the pick. Right now. People might say Quiddy Pay, Dwum for Uche, mm-hmm. Josh Ross, even uh, Lavert Hill. Carlo uh, Kemp. Carlo Kemp, there's a lot, but Metellus swinging games with like the pick six, I think it was against SMU to swing the half, just certain things like that really stand out in my mind, and I've, I gave him a lot of crap early, been riding with him ever since he turned it around, I think he is, man, I'm going to go ahead and go and just say he is. I like it. Yeah, you, you kind of danced around it, but I like the commitment. For me, it's 1A and 1B with him and Uche. Um, but there's guys that are right there that could easily take that next step. Carlo Kemp really stands out as a guy that was coming on and in a position of need, he was consistent um, and at times dominant. So Carlo Kemp is, is right there. Uh, but Metellus, I mean, back end of the defense, he's he's quicker than some of the guys that we've had. He's probably faster than Jared Wilson. Um, he, he's an all-around safety. He's got some decent ball skills. And like you said, when he's locked in and engaged, um, and it sounds like he will be this year, I think he's going to be one of the most, if not the most important part on that defense. So whether or not he's the best on the defense, he's definitely one of the most important players on that defense. Yeah, I think he's really going to be the breakthrough safety of the current Harbaugh era. I mean, you know, Dax Hill coming in could change all of that, but I feel like there was a ceiling where the DeMonte Thomases and the Wilsons were in the world, and I think uh, Metellus is going to ascend back this season. I agree with you, man. Uh, any other final thoughts, football, basketball, or otherwise, before we start to wrap it up here? Basketball does not exist. Basketball does not exist. I don't know what you're referring to. Not until uh, far, far later in the season, but uh, that means we can fully switch to football, which uh, is our forte. Our first foray into video will be coming up soon with our GM mock draft video. Very excited about that. This will be uh, this will be pretty interesting, and we've already flipped for teams. You are the odds. I am the evens. Uh, should be a good time, man. Looking forward to that one. I've spent far too much time into this just for how fun it's going to be and just how we mess up names and just – misreference some, you know, weird player from Clemson that somebody in the comments would be like, I do not know about this guy. Like, because we watch Michigan, but we're doing this for fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I thought an 85-year-old poker player ran point for Villanova. <laughs> hell, he might have in 1945. <laughs> Shortly after World War II, he was a hell of a point guard. He nearly averaged a double-double. <laughs> yeah, he and Chuck Filiog are hanging out somewhere now on an island. <laughs> But, yeah, that's going to do it for us, man. This is Out of the Blue. I'm Jared. That's Andy. We'd like you to like, share, subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Find us on Facebook if that's your thing. But uh, just remember that wherever you go, go blue. Go blue.